Secret number 12, Google Traffic Secrets. The first time someone told me about Google, I was at a public library in 2001 in New Jersey, frustrated at how hard it was to find things online. The lady sitting next to me leaned over and said, you should try Google.com. It's new, and every time I search on it, I'm always able to actually find what I'm looking for. I shrugged and decided to give it a try. I slowly typed it in for the first time, letter by letter, and after the search bar loaded, I typed in the same keywords I had tried a dozen times on other search engines. Within seconds, I found exactly what I was looking for. I'm assuming that your first experience was probably similar, and that's why we all kept going back. Step number one, understand the history and the goal. It was 1996 at Stanford University when Larry Page and Sergey Brin started working on the first search engine called Backrub. At the time, searching on the internet was just starting. Search engines like Excite, Yahoo, Ask Jeeves, and more started to pop up. They each had a different way that they indexed pages and showed their results. Larry and Sergey had the idea that a better way to display search results was to look at the number of links coming back to the page, called backlinks, to estimate the value of that page. They theorized that the more backlinks pointed to a page, the more important the website must be, and therefore the higher it would rank in the search engines. They wrote a mathematical algorithm that was based on that premise and created what is often called spiders to crawl the internet and count the number of backlinks pointing to every web page that they could find, identifying the keyword phrases that are on the actual pages, and then ranking them for those keywords. They found out quickly that their hypothesis was correct. This new algorithm made for a better searching experience for the end user, and it started to grow fast. The first year they hosted Backrub on Stanford servers, but eventually when they used up too much bandwidth, they had to move it. On September 15, 1997, they registered Google.com and launched a dynasty based on a simple algorithm. Google's algorithm made the so-called cream of the World Wide Web automatically rise to the top of the search results. In turn, the companies whose sites were indexed at the top of the search engines for certain keywords got flooded with so much traffic, so many visitors, and so many leads that many of them just couldn't keep up with the business. Being ranked on the first page of Google for a major keyword could bring you hundreds of thousands, and in some cases, millions of dollars overnight. With that much money on the line for each ranked keyword, almost everyone who noticed what was happening wanted to be at the top no matter the cost. And that's the funny thing about algorithms. They don't care who you are. They don't care who has the best product, the best customer support, or who will treat the customers the best. All they know is that if a page meets certain criteria, they rank it higher than the page that doesn't meet their criteria. It's that simple. And when you understand that, then the question quickly becomes, well, what exactly is the algorithm looking for, and how can I tweak what I'm doing to beat the algorithm so that I can be ranked at the top? Google's original algorithm was primarily based on backlinks. If you had 100 links on other people's websites all pointing back to your page and your competitor had 101 links, your competitor would outrank you. As soon as people hacked the algorithm and figured out what made them win, they would then do whatever they needed to to rank on top. I first discovered this when I was launching one of my very first funnels ever. It was for my product teaching people how to make potato guns. I did some very basic keyword research and found out at the time there were about 18,000 people per month searching for the keyword phrase potato guns. I was shocked that there were so many searches and no one was selling a product showing people how to make a potato gun. So I made a DVD, set up a funnel, and I tried to get traffic. The first thing I did was type potato gun into Google and I looked at the sites that were ranking on the first page. I had heard people say that the secret to being a good real estate investor was location, location, location. I remember thinking that these 10 spots on page number one were the most prime real estate in the world for someone selling potato gun plans. 
being ranked on that first page was the big secret. I had to figure out how to get on that page, and the first step was figuring out the algorithm that decided which pages deserved to be at the top. Google was still in its infancy back then, and I started researching how to outrank my competitors. I learned that the only thing that really mattered was backlinks. There were a few rudimentary tools that would show you how many links a page had, and within minutes, I knew exactly how many links I needed to be on the first page and how many links I needed to be at the top spot. After that, it was on like Donkey Kong. I started doing everything in my power to get links. I would buy links from people. I found sites that would let me post links in their directories. I would post in forms and link back to my page. I would basically drop links on any and every page that would let me, including free-for-all or FFA pages, which were later nicknamed link farms, where you could submit as many links as you wanted. Within days, I saw my site move from the 100th page in Google to the 50th, to the 20th, and finally all the way up to the second page. I was almost there. I was so close I could taste it. Within days, I would have my new potato gun storefront property listed on the most ideal real estate in the world, page one for my dream keyword. And then it happened. It was my first of many experiences with the Google slap. Overnight, my page was gone, dropped from the search engines forever. I didn't know why, I didn't understand where it went, but as I went looking for the answers, I saw that it wasn't just me. In the big scheme of things, my potato gun keywords were tiny. While 18,000 people might seem like a lot when you're printing and shipping DVDs from your basement, it was tiny in relation to other keywords. Some keywords get hundreds of thousands or millions of visitors a month. Imagine being on page number one for hotels or cars. These keywords can and do make hundreds of millions of dollars for those who can hold their spot at the top. But even the phrase emergency plumber in Boise, Idaho will grow a local company faster than anything else one could ever dream of. So what was the Google slap? Well, each slap is different and issued for different reasons, but the main reason always comes down to the battle between Google and the marketers. Google wants to show its visitors the best web page for every search. Marketers like us want our web page to be shown at the top. The battle between us and each platform is why the algorithms have to consistently change and evolve. That's why almost every book that's ever been written on getting traffic online is obsolete within months. These slaps happen with Google. They also happen with Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. As soon as the platform figures out the perfect algorithm that shows the best results, us marketers all start using our creative minds to figure out how to hack the algorithm so that we can be in the number one spot to make our videos go viral or get our posts, pictures, and images to get the most likes, shares, and views. With each keyword, image, or viral video potentially being worth millions of dollars, these platforms have created a scenario where the smartest people in the world are all focused on reverse engineering the algorithms for themselves to get and keep their companies at the top. That is why in this book, I'm never going to tell you how to hack an exact algorithm. We never really know exactly what it is, even though we can get close by modeling what is currently having success, and it changes constantly. So instead of showing you how to hack the exact algorithm, I'm going to show you the history of each algorithm as well as the changes that have taken place over time. After all, understanding the history and the changes make it easy to see the future and where things are going. I'll show you how to figure out what the algorithms are right now on each platform so you can play the game that is working today in real time. The real secret to traffic isn't knowing exactly what the algorithm is before you get on each platform. The real secret is being able to look at each platform and quickly figure out what the algorithm is now. Let me quickly take you through the history of each Google slap so you can understand the evolution of the algorithm and where it is today. The four phases of Google. Phase number one, popularity through backlinks. 
As you've just seen, the big breakthrough that made Google the best search engine in the world was that they ranked your web page based on how many other pages were talking about you and linking back to you. Each link that someone else posted on a page that linked back to your website counted as a vote and pushed your page up through Google's rankings. The game was fun. You would pick a keyword you wanted, find out how many backlinks a person who ranked number one had, and then you only needed to get more backlinks than they had. For example, if number one spot had 100 backlinks, you needed 101 to replace them. The problem is that it also created a game that was really easy to win if you were okay with spamming the search engines. People would hire huge teams of workers overseas to post their links on every website they could find. Eventually, software was built that would allow you to post hundreds of links with the simple click of a few buttons. What started out as the perfect ranking algorithm quickly became a cesspool where the most spam pages rising to the top. This didn't give Google's users a good customer experience, so they had to make changes. Phase number two, page rank and on-page optimization. To clean up this mess, Google started to look more closely at two things. The first was the actual quality of the links that were pointing back to you. They created something called PageRank to give quality score to every page. This made it possible to assign a weight for every link that was pointing back to your website. No longer would 101 links beat out 100 links. Instead, if you had fewer links coming from higher quality pages, you could win, even with much fewer links. This solved a lot of the problems for Google and cleaned up the results for a while, but inevitably it made people start focusing their spamming efforts on better sites. Pretty soon, a whole underground industry popped up where you could buy links on high page rank sites. Because garbage sites were rising to the top of the search engines, Google had its spiders look more closely at the actual content that was on the pages, not just how many links the web pages were getting. Google rewarded people who structured their web page content in a way that gave people the best user experience. This created a whole new industry of specialists who became amazing at doing on-page optimization, essentially creating pages that Google loved to rank high. But as happens with most good things, the marketers mastered the algorithm again. They created software that would find articles from other people's sites, scrape the articles, rewrite them, we used to call it spinning because it would take a percentage of the words in the article, look for other words in the thesaurus that had similar meanings, and replace the original words with the new similar words so it looked like a new article, and display them in a way that would trick Google into ranking them high once again. Ultimately, it still gave end users a bad user experience. As good as Google's algorithm was, people kept finding ways to beat it. Phase three, the Google Zoo, Panda, Penguin, and Hummingbird. Starting in about 2011, the organic Google slaps began, meaning Google had made a bunch of huge algorithm changes designed to clean up their search engine results. Each update was given a name of an animal. It started with Panda, which killed content farms and scraper sites that people had been creating to beat the algorithm. In 2012, Penguin went live, penalizing people who were buying links or obtaining them through networks that were designed to boost search rankings. In 2013, Hummingbird figured out the intent behind the search rather than just the keyword itself, giving Google the artificial intelligence it needed to figure out what people were actually looking for. This was a huge update to Google's core algorithm and it only had one goal, to make a better experience for those who were searching for something. Phase number four, Mobilegeddon and Fred. For years, Google didn't implement any big updates. That is, until 2015, which has been called the Year of Mobile. It was the first time that mobile searches bypassed desktop searches on Google. This was also the year that Google launched their new updated algorithm that ranked you higher if your site was optimized for mobile. This update forced everyone to redesign their pages to create a better mobile experience for Google's mobile searches. Two years later, we were introduced to the update that was unofficially named Fred. This update is one that I think is most important for us to understand, as it gives us the pattern to be successful with search in the future. Fred penalized sites that prioritize monetization over user experience. If your site had low user engagement, was thin in content, or had content heavily geared towards conversion, pop-ups, and aggressive advertising, you lost your rankings overnight. So why are Fred and all of its predecessors so important? 
They help us to see Google's core goal, a better user experience. If we can align with Google's goals, then they will send you an almost unlimited number of traffic for free. Trying to spam the algorithms may give you short-term gains, but only until Google finds loopholes and closes them. However, the real secret is understanding Google's intent and helping them to serve their searchers. Why does Google care so much about their user experience? Mostly because they still make the majority of their money from paid ads. And if people have a bad experience when they search, they won't come back. So if your goal is to try to figure out a way to deliver the best experience possible to their surfers, then Google will reward you for that. Step number two, find your dream 100 on this platform. This is where the search engine starts to become really fun for me. This process is similar to a treasure hunt, looking for the keywords and blogs that you can tap into that bring you thousands of visitors a day, sometimes overnight. In Secret 2, we talked about two types of congregations. The first was interest-based congregations, such as influencers, brands, and other things that people are interested in. The second type of congregation we discussed were search-based congregations. Instead of targeting interests, we would be targeting keywords and keyword phrases. For Google, we are going to be building out two Dream 100 lists. One list will be the top bloggers in your market, and the second list will be your list of your Dream 100 keywords. Your Dream 100 bloggers. As I start looking at Google, before I put a lot of work into getting ranked in the search engines, I want to find people who have already done the work, gotten ranked, and have readers who are currently reading their blogs. I will be utilizing these bloggers and their blogs in different ways, both buying my way into their traffic streams as well as working my way in. But for now, I just want to identify them and get them on my Dream 100 list. Finding them can be as easy as going to Google and typing in your dream keywords and the word blog after it. You'll then see the top 10 listings in Google for which bloggers have made it to the top. Some of the bloggers will have their own blogs that run on their own domain, while others will use popular blogging networks like Medium.com. You can go to Medium.com and other blog networks and search for bloggers in your market. Make this list and keep it handy as we'll be leveraging these people soon. Your Dream 100 Keywords It's now finally time to dust off your Dream 100 keywords you wrote down in secret number two and focus on getting access to all the traffic that is on the first page in the search engines. Being ranked on page number one for one of your dream keywords is the equivalent to owning Boardwalk or Park Place in Monopoly. Owning one or more of these listings in this virtual real estate landscape can fill your funnels with traffic for years to come. Make a list of the keyword phrases that you think your dream customers would be typing into Google if they were trying to find the results your product or service offers. When I first did this exercise with ClickFunnels, the first 10 dream keyword phrases I wrote down were sales funnels, digital marketing, internet marketing, online marketing, landing page, marketing automation, growth hacking, personal branding, website traffic, social media marketing. I figured that my dream customers would be typing each of these phrases into Google to get the result that my product could give them, and they became my dream keywords. The next step was to find the long tail keywords associated with each of my dream keywords. Often it can be really difficult to rank for the high competitive keywords, so I want to see the long tail keywords that would be easier for me to rank. To do this, take your number one dream keyword phrase and type it into Google. Google will suggest other keyword phrases in the search bar that people often search for when someone types in your dream keyword phrase. These are the other suggested phrases under your search result. These keywords will become your long tail keyword phrases. Write down your nine long tail keyword phrases that are associated with each of your dream keywords that you would like to target. For example, dream keyword sales funnels, long tail keyword, Sales funnels definition, sales funnels software, sales funnels for real estate, sales funnels examples, sales funnels for artists, sales funnel templates, sales funnels explain, sales funnels 101, sales funnels for Shopify. You can also scroll down to the bottom of Google after you search for your dream keyword and it'll show you eight more keywords that are closely related to your search term. 
Keep looking until you find 10 solid keyword phrases to focus on. If you do that with all 10 of your dream keywords, you will end up with a list of 100 keywords. This is the simplest way to build out your dream keyword list, but there are many amazing software tools that can help take it to the next level. Many of them will show you how many searches each keyword gets each month, how competitive it is to try and rank for these keywords, how much money you will pay per click from the sponsored ads, and more. I have posted a list of all my favorite keyword tools as well as tutorial videos for my favorites at trafficsecrets.com resources. Step number three, identify the publishing strategy and create your publishing plan. Now that we have our dream keywords, we want to funnel hack the search engines to see what is already working for that keyword. To do that, all you have to do is type your keyword phrase into Google, then scan the top 10 results and look for patterns of what types of posts are being ranked. I specifically look for what we call linkable assets, or what I like to call internally a Letterman top 10 list. I call it that because I remember when I was a teenager and my parents would sometimes watch The Late Show with David Letterman. And while I didn't necessarily like his show, there was one segment that I loved, and it was when he would do his famous top 10 list, such as Eminem's top 10 pieces of advice for kids, or top 10 questions that Justin Bieber would answer, I don't know. Then he would list out 10 funny things to go with each list. A linkable asset works similar to Letterman's top 10 list. They will usually be structured with a title like 25 SEO tools to instantly improve your marketing in 2020 or 18 things you could actually eat on a ketogenic diet that you assume were bad for you. These type of linkable assets are what Google loves for a few reasons. The first is that if you structure them correctly, people will love the content so much that they can't help but link back to it. Real, organic, quality links are what Google wants to reward you for. And writing a good article that people naturally want to link to is the secret to getting the right links. The second reason is because these are the types of posts that readers on Google love. Because Google owns the Chrome browser and usually has their analytics code on most of your pages, they can see how long someone stays on your site, how long they scroll for, if they click on your links, and how many pages they visit inside of your site. The more time someone spends on your site, the more they scroll, and the more pages they click are all signs that your end user is having a good experience. These types of articles with their 21 steps or 205 resources, if written correctly, will get people to scroll through your page and spend a lot of time there showing its value to Google. As I'm scanning the organic listings for my dream keywords, I'm looking to see if there are any Letterman Top 10 list type articles being ranked. If there aren't, then I will work on creating my own linkable asset that I can post on my blog. If I do find one that's already ranking the top 10 for my Dream 100, I will use the skyscraper technique that I learned from Brian Dean to build a taller skyscraper and outrank them in the search engines. The skyscraper technique works after you've found content that's already generated a ton of links and is already ranking for your dream keywords. And then you model it to create your own bigger, better piece of content. In other words, a bigger skyscraper. I like to try to create at least one new skyscraper article per month. On his blog, Brian describes the skyscraper technique as a way for you to have the content that everyone wants to talk about and link to. Have you ever walked by a really tall building and said to yourself, wow, that's amazing. I wonder how big the eighth tallest building in the world is. Of course not. It's human nature to be attracted to the best. And that's what you're doing here is finding the tallest skyscraper in your space and slapping 20 stories on top of it. After you've found an article that is ranking for your dream keyword that you want to beat, the next step is to write a better piece of content. Here are the four things that Brian recommends to do to your article to make your skyscraper taller. Longer. In some cases, publishing an article that's simply longer or includes more items will do the trick. For example, if you find a link magnet that has a title, 50 Healthy Snack Ideas, publish a list of 150 or even 500. More up to date. If you can take an old, out-of-date piece of content and spruce it up, you've got yourself a winner. Better designed. A visually stunning piece of content can typically generate a lot more links and social shares than something similar on an ugly page. More thorough. 
Most list posts are made of bland lists of bullet points without any meaty content that people can actually use. But if you add a bit of depth to each item on your list, you have yourself a list post that's much more valuable. Important note, Brian recommends you beat the existing content on all four levels. In this longer new skyscraper, I will often use my dream keyword as well as my long tail keywords throughout the article. Doing this with just one skyscraper article will often get me ranked for many, if not all of my related dream 100 keyword phrases. Getting quality links to your skyscraper. Publishing the longer, better skyscraper won't in and of itself get your site ranked onto page number one. After you've written your article, you need to promote it. And the way you promote an article is by getting a lot of the right links to it. Brian taught us how to get the right links by looking at the links that are pointing to the linkable asset that we modeled. If people are already linking to that content, we know a few things. First, they have a website in the same niche that we're publishing. Second, they're interested in the topic because they've already linked to our competitor. And third, they've already linked to an article on that topic. So it's not difficult for them to include a link to our longer, better, and more updated article too. You'll need to email the people linking to your competitors and ask them to link back to you as well. You can contact them manually or you can use shortcuts to save time. Go to trafficsecrets.com resources to find some tools that will scrape the contact information from everyone who's linking to your competitors. In your email, you can let them know that you saw that they linked to your competitors and that you love if they link to your article as well, since yours is similar but much more up-to-date and comprehensive. This strategy will help you to get the right links. Look at our supplemental PDF to see examples of the emails that Brian actually uses. Brian said that he personalized and tweaked his email template for each person he reached out to. And out of 160 emails he sent out, he got 17 people to link back. That's an 11% success rate following the skyscraper method that helped him to get his article ranked. The next way I work to get links back to my new article is by reverse engineering, funnel hacking, the backlinks that are going to the other nine organic listings on page number one for my dream keyword. I already found the people who are linking to my competitor's article and emailed them. Now I'm going to do the same thing for the people who are linking to the other nine pages that are ranked on page number one. I send out a similar email to each one of them asking if they'd be willing to link back to my linkable asset. By doing this, I'm getting the same backlinks that are currently ranking the top 10 results for my dream keyword phrase, all linking back to me. There are lots of other ways to get links, all with varying degrees of what Google likes. White hat techniques are the ones that Google loves and rewards you for, whereas black hat techniques are just spammy ways to get links that trick Google. While you may get short-term gains from black hat techniques, everyone that I've ever used to beat Google has always caught up with me eventually. We now solely focus on doing what Google wants. I'll mention some other ways we use to get links in the work your way in section later, but Brian's skyscraper linking technique is one of the best and the fastest ways to kickstart your link building. These manual link requests will get the process started and then I will stimulate traffic to the skyscraper pages by promoting my new article on my social sites, Facebook and Instagram and email lists. If you follow the process we've discussed, your content will become a link magnet by organically getting the right type of links and continually rising in the search engines. This type of organic linking is what Google wants and rewards. Your publishing plan. In this chapter, I've shown you how I look at marketing on Google. We've talked about some of the core ways to get organic traffic from Google. The following is a publishing plan that you and your team can use to systemize the ranking process. You can print out the Google publishing plan inside of the supplemental PDF. Step number four, work your way in. Working your way into the search engines has two amazing benefits. The first is that you can tap into the traffic streams of the bloggers that you put on your Dream 100 list earlier. The second is you can get some of the best quality links directly from these same bloggers who have quality sites in your market, the types of links that Google loves. The way I work my way into the search engines is through guest posting. That means I'm looking for someone else who has a blog in my market and I'm asking them if I can make guest posts on their sites. I'll email the blog owner and tell them that I have a few cool ideas for a post on their blog and I'll ask them if any of them are of interest. 
If they say yes, then I write up the post, include a link to one or two of my skyscrapers and have them post it. I give them good content and their readers will click on the links and I'll get traffic from that. The spiders will then see the links in my skyscraper and I will also increase my rankings from there. You can also work on becoming a writer or a columnist for high traffic sites in your market. Some of the best SEO people I know are writers for Forbes, Entrepreneur, and other top-ranked sites. They're able to use their position as writers on these sites to push traffic into their own funnels and post quality links to rank their skyscrapers. I try to post at least one guest post per week on blogs in my market, as well as work towards becoming a contributing author for the sites that bring the most traffic and quality links. Step number five, buy your way in. When I first started to learn SEO back before the Google Slap started, I got frustrated that I wasn't ranked number one for some of the highest competitive dream keywords that I wanted to rank for. One day, I decided that I wanted to be number one for the keyword internet marketing, and I set out on a journey to rank organically for that keyword. And after eight long months, I finally ended up getting to page number one. I think I topped out at the number four spot on page one before I got slapped during one of the algorithm updates. But about a month into that long journey, I got frustrated and I looked at each of the people who were already ranking number one for my dream keywords. I started to notice that a lot of those sites were articles and weren't actually selling any products. They had some banner ads on them, but they didn't have a product like mine to sell. I started emailing a bunch of them knowing how hard I was working to try to get that ranking, wondering why they would put in all that effort to rank when they didn't have an actual product to sell. I got emails back from about a half a dozen of them and I found out something very interesting. Most of them were SEO guys who were really good at ranking pages but had no idea how to create products. So instead they would get a page ranked on page number one and then they would either sell ads on their page or they would link to other products as an affiliate. As soon as they told me that, I had the big idea. What if while I was waiting to get my site ranked on page number one, I started getting traffic immediately from all of the people who were currently ranked number one? My goal in the short term wasn't to outrank them, it was to get my ads for my funnels on their pages. I started to negotiate deals with them and within days I was prominently displayed at the top of some of the sites that were already ranked for my dream keywords. Getting on these pages turned into a faucet of traffic overnight. I quickly started to realize how much more valuable a click to your funnels from one of these pages was than even the same from a Google homepage. Just think, a phrase like internet marketing could have thousands of people searching for it per day on Google. However, the people who do the following three-step process are actually more valuable to you. Number one, they type a phrase into Google. Number two, they click on one of the results. And number three, they click on the link to your funnel from this page. The first click on Google is typically from the browsers, but the second click comes from people who are the most serious, the buyers. Because they've made two clicks to get to you, they are much more likely to convert when they do get to your page. Tons of the clicks that hit Google's homepage will be wasted on people who aren't serious. And if you're paying for those clicks, it can be very expensive. However, the people who have clicked two clicks to get to where you are are the ones who are most serious and will be worth the most money to you in the long term. When I look at my Dream 100 websites, I try to quickly weed out the ones who don't have any advertising on them already. Instead, I'm looking for sites that have AdSense ads, banner ads, affiliate links to other products, and email newsletter subscription boxes. I then start contacting the owners of these websites to find out my advertising options. If they have an email newsletter, I'll ask them if I can purchase a solo ad to their email list. More on this in Secret 17. If they have banner ads on their website, I'll ask them how much it costs to purchase a banner ad. If they have Google AdSense on their site, I then add their site to my list to target later with my Google Display Network or GDN. More on this in Secret 9. If they have an article on that page, then I see if I can get them to add a link back to one of my pages in their article. Getting your links to your funnels on the pages that are already ranked for your dream keywords is one of the fastest ways to get super qualified traffic into your funnels. Step number six, fill your funnel. 
Are you able to see now how you can get access to the traffic that is coming from the search engines? We focus on creating blog posts that are linkable assets that will act as link magnets that can get you ranked on page one for your dream keywords. While we're waiting for these pages to rise in the search engines, we do guest posts on the blogs in our market to get both instant traffic from their readers and more links pointing back to our linkable assets. We then go to the pages that are already ranked on page one for our dream keywords, and we work to buy ads on these pages so we can plug our funnels into the existing streams of traffic that are going to these pages. The last step is buying ads on Google's paid search platforms. There are two main ways that you can get paid traffic from Google. The first is the paid ads on the search engine results page, the ads that show up above and below the organic results for your dream keywords. And the second is from AdSense ads that other people have put on their pages. You get access to these ads through GDN. I won't be showing the actual tactics behind how to run Google ads as they're always changing, but the strategy behind how you run Google ads in secret number nine is the same. First, you create prospecting ads as hooks to capture your dream customers and pull them into your funnels. For those that don't immediately convert, we move them into our retargeting buckets and move them from engaged to landed and then to owned. After we own the traffic, we use follow-up funnels to send them up our value ladder.